The nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Welcome back to our show, and the show, the theme today is Talking Death and Life with Parents and Patients. Uh, This is one that's really dear to my heart. I'm a storyteller myself, and I deeply crave to hear other people's stories. I grew up in a family of very stoic German men. My father and his brothers were reluctant to share much of anything beyond the weather and sports. Yet somehow I managed to sit the three down one time in front of a recorder and heard them reminisce about their growing years. The youngest remembered a time when the oldest ran from a bull and launched himself over a barbed wire fence, tearing his belly open. His surprised brother, the older brother, picked up his shirt, showing a ragged scar, and said, Is that how that got here? He had completely forgotten looking at the scar his whole life and had forgotten how it had happened. What moved me the most was when I asked each of them what they regretted most. And my very stoic, very uh, introverted father said, missing seeing the births of my children. I had never heard him say anything so personal, let alone so emotional. The most recent push for me on this whole thing was after the death of my mother's cousin and she said in tears to me there's no one left now that remembers my history I was stunned as the enormous reality of that statement settled in she is now writing her story and I hope soon to be able to discuss it with her Uh, Please join me now in welcoming my guest, Jolene Hill. She's from Brisbane, Australia, and um, she recognized the need and the difficulty for older people to write down or at least say their history to someone else. She connected with people around the world and created some help for people and families and nurses in the form of cards to start the conversations. So, Jolene, welcome. Leanne, I'm delighted to be chatting with you today. Me too. This is great. We're way across the world. Um, Could you share just a little bit of a bio about how you got to this point? Yes, certainly. Um, It basically comes from both both my personal life and and my career background. So in my personal life, I I lost my husband to cancer 10 years ago, and I was his full-time carer. Um, and during the 17 months that I was caring for him, uh, we, we discovered that uh, one of the things that helped him a lot was if myself and my five sons, we have five sons, if we sat and we got him to talk and tell us stories from his life. And to my surprise, um, I found out a lot of things that I didn't know. And we'd been together <laughs> for 38 years. Um, <laughs> So that, that was something that ticked over in my mind, that we don't talk enough about our, our life story. And, and my career background is as a funeral director, and I've cared for hundreds of families. And I, I realized from talking to them that 
quite often when I asked them questions about their loved one who'd passed away, there was so much they didn't know about that person's life story, about their mum or dad or, or grandma or granddad. So that led me down the path of wanting to become an advocate, to, to, to have families have this conversation um, within the family, with the older members of the family. Wow. Yeah, I can see that your work would certainly play into that. And um, did you find that um, once a family was encouraged to talk about a family member, I'm thinking in terms of if a father or a mother had died, would the rest of the family, when they came back for the other parent, would they have talked more by then? Absolutely. They they realized that, um, you know, that saying that, that, um, when we when we die, our stories die with us. If if mm-hmm. we haven't, you know, had the chance to either write down some of our life stories or talk to somebody about them and have them write it down, those stories are lost forever. Right. Um, and it's you know it's a tragedy because we all have um, a rich life story to to leave as a legacy for our families. Mm-hmm. Anybody who has lived. You know, pretty much any period of time <clears throat> has um, has something to say. Has and and many times I think we disregard what our life story is because you know, oh, that it was it was just ordinary. It was just so very ordinary. But sometimes the ordinary have, is is, is extraordinary. I have, a, I have a new saying. I use uh, we use it our talks to community uh, groups, and we say that ordinary people telling ordinary stories today become extraordinary legacy mm-hmm. stories in the future. So what we might yeah. think is, is ordinary today won't be so when our, our, um, we leave that for future generations. You know, that's so true. I worked so hard to get my parents, both of them, <clears throat> to tell their stories so that my the grandchildren would have that information. And um, it never occurred to me to tell my story. Um, kind of the same thing. Well, theirs is interesting because it's so old. Mine is not interesting because it's just this period of time. It, look, it is, and I look. I, I obviously I have done this with for myself with my five sons, and uh, just sharing simple things like uh, my school years were very different because we didn't have the technology that they now have in their schooling. Um, and I explained that we had to use inkwells and pens with nibs <laughs> to write in our little first-year copybooks. And my youngest son was, was so amazed. He went, why would they do that? Why didn't they just give you a biro to use? And I said, because we didn't have biros to use. <laughs> um, and, you know, they're, yeah. they're quite stunned by some of the, the things in our early childhoods and that, that they take for granted with technology, but um, they're fascinated with with, before we had that technology in our growing up years. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, it is interesting. We might think it's not, but it is interesting uh, to our children and family. So how did you get to the point of thinking, how do I make this easier for other people? Look, I, I researched and I realized there were a lot of resources out there to get people to tell their life story. And I talked to a lot of uh, uh, people involved in aged care um, that do this as volunteers or carers in aged care. And they said, look, the resources that are there are very bulky. They're unwieldy. 
and they're off-putting, both for mm-hmm. the person to tell their story and for the biographer that's going to write it down for them. And they said it's very hard to get them interested and started. So I tried to think of something that would make it easier, basically, that would break the ice and kickstart the conversation easily. And I thought about cards because uh, they're tactile. We're all very familiar with using cards. Uh, I call the cards um, the talking sticks. Most people are familiar mm-hmm. with a talking stick in a meeting which you're handed when it's your turn to talk. Well, the cards are the same. They give the psychological permission for you to talk. So it's just a simple card that somebody's giving you with a question, but you now have permission to talk about that. And the simplest of questions can lead to many, many, many stories. When people think about telling their life story, they think about chronological order, and they say, I can't really remember, but that's not what you need to do. You just need to start reminiscing about stories in your life and you'll be amazed where it takes your brain to. <laughs> you'll mm-hmm. start remembering things you'd forgotten for years. Do you recommend, um, I might be jumping ahead, but <clears throat> do you recommend that people have a tape recorder going while they're doing this conversation? Absolutely. Um, you know, we recommend that or, or videoing, whichever is more comfortable for you and the person involved. But, uh, you know, having to stop and write down breaks into that flow of conversation. Um, it's far better to just have a recording going and you can write uh, later on what you want to write. But it's all about that one-on-one conversation. Uh, so, yes, definitely, definitely an audio recording is the way to go. Interestingly, I might add that, um, you know, I talk to many people out in the community and, and some younger people say to me, oh, look, this is, this is fabulous, the questions. Are you going to develop an app for this? And I go, no, I think we're missing the point. <laughs> the point is we want people to share conversations and tell the stories. We don't want them to sit on their own in front of a device. <laughs> Interesting. And, of course, that would be the first thing they would think of. Um, yes. So when you when you decided you wanted to do this project um, and you had done some research out there, how did you come up with questions? Did you use your own questions? Did you talk with other people? How did you narrow down what to ask? Absolutely. I, I, I started off with probably 100 questions for each of these conversations, both getting people to reflect on their last story and have the other conversation about what they want in their future in terms of health care. And then I sent those questions out to people in the field. So I sent them out to social workers, uh, nurses, um, you know, particularly in oncology and hospice, um, also to relationship counsellors, and I had a lot of feedback And so from that feedback and a lot of refining, we got it down to 50 questions for each set of conversation starter cards. Mm -hmm. And what was the next step? Next step was I I had uh, uh, some prototypes made and we actually sent them out to a whole lot of people once again, those same people in the industry, just to get further feedback and we refined them further. And then we sat there and said, well, this is just wonderful. What are we going to do now to let people know that we, 
we have this wonderful resource, <laughs> how do we let people know? So what we did was we, we from my career background, um, I have a lot of contact with people, uh, we call them uh, funeral celebrants, I'm not sure what you would call them there, but people who conduct funeral services. Mm-hmm. And uh, right through Australia and New Zealand, um, they have joined with me to become advocates to go out to talk to community and care groups about the importance of people having these conversations. And when they give the talks, they use the conversation starter cards to get people involved and interactive and talking. So we give the cards out and we get people in the group to stand up and tell us some stories from their lives and just get the message out there how important this is for families to have these conversations. Yeah, it's so uh, it's so interesting because um, you know so few. <clears throat> I don't know if it's so few people, but it seems like there's so many people who just don't want to get up and, you know, what my father used to call airing the dirty laundry. And of course, it doesn't have to be the <clears throat> excuse me the negative things that um, have happened in our life, but just all those little things. So, um, just getting a few people who will stand up and share is. Uh, kind of can be incentive to the others, even to stimulate their thinking of what might be a story they could tell. Absolutely, and and I can tell you when when myself and our speakers give talks, uh, people are a little bit reticent at first, but once we get to the second or third person who's reading out one of the cards and telling a story, they've all got their hands up. Everybody wants to join because everybody has a story from their life that they want to share with the group. So you're quite right. It does stimulate people's thinking into, wow, I've got some great stories to tell about this from my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can tell you a very short story about how powerful the cards are. Uh, I was with a a cancer uh, support group so people who have uh, recovering from cancer and they, they meet about 30 of them once a month. And I was talking to them about the importance of, of, you know, writing down your life story. And I had a very quiet lady next to me. She was obviously a quiet person in the group. I might add she'd been coming for 15 years, like most of them had. Uh-huh. And she asked me if she could have a card when I was giving them out. Now, she read her card out and the question was, Tell me three words that best describe you. Quite a difficult question, really. It's one you need to think about um, how you best describe yourself. Um, Now, her first word, she said, would be survivor. And I thought, well, of course, it's a cancer support group. Mm -hmm. But no, she spent the next 20 minutes telling this group that she was a survivor of domestic violence for 40 years. Mm Now, while she was telling that story, I looked at the other members of the group who had been meeting with her for 15 years, and they all looked totally stunned because mm-hmm. she had never mentioned it before. Mm-hmm. And this is where I say the cards give permission for people. She obviously felt now she had that question. She had permission to now get that off her chest and talk about it. And right. uh, I spoke to the facilitator of that group sometime later and they said it's made an enormous difference to her to have got that uh, out there with her friends and talked about it. So Mm -hmm. um, it can have very therapeutic, cathartic release qualities, talking about maybe bad experiences in your life. Well, it is true. Um, 
get being able to talk with people to really open up to share um, it's hard because uh, it takes a lot of trust it's um, you know so many people feel shame about whatever it is that they feel they really need to talk about Um, so it's really hard for them and then there are other people who just can't seem to open up to more than maybe one or two people in their life I've had experiences I guess because I am a storyteller I've had experiences with, um, I remember one group uh, that I was working with uh, that were, they had a team, a hospital team, that they only worked every other weekend, and they only worked with each other, and they hated each other. It was like two, a nurse and an aide, and another nurse and an aide, and they were at the point where they were screaming at each other at the nurse's station, and they said, okay, either we're firing them all or something has to give. So they brought them to me, and I started doing a class with them, which I involved their manager in also. And one of the things that came out of it is everyone in the room said they had learned more about their manager in those couple of hours together than they had in the entire time that they had been working with him. And what came out of it for each of them was to realize that the others weren't trying to make their life miserable. They just simply were looking at the world from a different point of view. Absolutely. Isn't that wonderful, though? It is. And it just and months later, that I... Months later, I heard that they were his best crew. Uh, they had gone from the worst to the best. Well, oh, what a result. <laughs> yes. Well, so, it just says to prove that, you know, it's all about communicating. And, you know, there's so many benefits in people doing, you know, talking about their life story where they can reconcile past issues um, and they, can re- they get a renewed sense of well-being um, they can. I think it's important. People can reaffirm their values, and my husband certainly did that when he was talking with our five sons when he was ill. He he found it very important. He wanted to, uh, you know, talk about his values in life uh, with his five sons. And talking about your life story gives you the opportunity to do that. Um, and I think also, you know, there's rewards for the people that are listening, though, like the biographer, because. You know, they, they, um, it's an enriching experience to listen to other people's life stories. It's very rewarding. Mm-hmm. And as well as that, they get to hear lovely, interesting stories and along the way quite often develop a friendship with the person in aged care if that's the setting that they're doing this in. Actually, it's interesting because when I knew you were going to be coming on, um, this was actually from June 3rd, so just a couple of days ago, um, and it was on our um, public radio station uh, at 5 in the morning, and uh, it just completely, you know, brought me to life, and I was listening to it, and one of the their lead sentence was VA hospitals, that's Veterans Administration hospitals, are pioneering the use of storytelling to strengthen the relationships patients have with doctors and nurses. With more information about patients, there may be some health benefits. So what they realized is that nurses and doctors can go into a patient's chart and learn almost anything they want to about the person's medical or maybe even mental health history, but know almost nothing about who they are as people and what they have been in the world. And so by doing this, they're finding that the nurses are 
feeling much closer, like you said, to the patient, also finding um, connections, uh, places in common that they would never have known of before. And what they're finding is that the nurses fight harder for that patient if they get into a serious situation. I mean, obviously, they would do those caregiving things that they need to do, but when your heart is in it, it's even so much more. Oh, absolutely, and I think it's a, it's a way of putting a personal face on patient care and health care values. And what you mentioned there about common ground, um, mm-hmm. there is nothing better than talking to somebody you have never met before, and in this case a patient and their nurse, and finding that you have some common ground to talk about. Um, it just gives an ongoing basis for conversation to find out more about each other. Um, and exactly. so important in a healthcare setting. Yeah, exactly. Um, are there any other stories you'd like to share? Um, we're going to be coming up on a break here pretty soon, and um, I would I would just um, like to add a few more stories. When we come back, I'd like to talk about uh, end of life um, planning and some of those things. Yes, absolutely. Um, look. Uh, um, one of the programs we're developing at the moment is an intergenerational program where we go out to schools and we invite the uh, seniors in the community to come in for a morning tea and they sit down at tables with the upper grade, so it's uh, 10, 11, 12-year-olds, and we give out the conversation cards and we get the, the seniors and the, the school children to talk. And the first, we've only done two, they've been an enormous success. Um, we knew the seniors would enjoy it. We didn't realize how much the children would enjoy it. How about that? Uh, at, yeah, at the end of, the, uh, of 90 minutes of a lot of conversation going on at all the tables, uh, we, we take the microphone around to each table. We get two of the school children to stand up, and they tell us one thing that they have found out from one of the seniors at their table that they'd like to share. And we get some very funny stories that they, the children tell us. Um, often about technology with, you know, how, how they grew up. But we had one day a little boy stood up and he said, I've learned that when Fred was my age, it was much easier to steal cigarettes from your parents than it is now. And we thought, oh, gosh, I don't think that's what the teachers wanted them to talk about, but there you go. We can't really control what the seniors are talking about at the table. But I can tell you both the seniors and the children absolutely love these morning teas together. Yeah, we have a lot of children now that don't have grandparents in their life or um, elders, you know, older aunts and uncles. And they love to talk to them and ask them about their childhood. And the cards are a great way for the the children to do it because they're familiar with using uh, playing cards. So uh, we're going to work on that program here in Australia. Yeah. So tell me, um, what's on the cards? What, I, I know that there's a number of different cards. So you have, is it 50 cards you have? Or um, a, a card has maybe several questions on it? And what might the questions be? You mentioned the three words that describe yourself. Oh, I see. So the cards, each card, there's 50. They only have one question on each card. And I might add that the card deck comes with a companion booklet that people can write or online they can fill that out. So the questions really, um, you know, they go right back to uh, are you named after anybody? Um, uh, You know, 
what was what subjects did you like at school? Uh, you know, what in your teenage years? We have fun questions. When did you get into trouble as a child or teenager? <laughs> what did you do? You know, that gets a lot of funny stories. Um, you know, how did you how did you meet your uh, your spouse or partner? Um, we have generalised questions as well, like, uh, you know, what 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 gives you the most pleasure in life, and uh, you know, what how would you describe your perfect day? They're very general questions, but usually once people start thinking about it, they will start telling stories mm-hmm. about perfect days that they've had. So, it's only one question per card for a reason, because. We want this to be easy for people. They're what they mm-hmm. say they are. They just start the conversation. People think about the question. I've even had people say, I can't really answer that question, but I've got another story to tell you because mm-hmm. they've got into the flow of things. Mm-hmm. I've got another couple of stories that I want to tell you that they'll tell the group. So it's all about getting that, that you know, reminiscing going and, and stories popping into their head. Wonderful. If people are wanting to write a biography, I say you don't need a timeline. Just collect the stories. You can put them in a timeline at a later date. Exactly. We need to go to break here. Would you give out the website that people could go to if they would want to learn more about these cards? Yes, certainly. It's uh, yourlifetalks.com. So it would be www.yourlifetalks.com? That's correct, Jess. Okay, wonderful. Well, we're going to um, break here for just a couple minutes, and we will be right oh. back. And I'm looking forward to talking about um, end-of-life uh, questions. Me too. And this Thanks is once, once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And I'm Leanne Meyer. I am talking today with Jolene Hill. She is all the way from Brisbane, Australia, and we're having a wonderful conversation about talking to people. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900% and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact Senior Executive Producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. Are you living a healthy and fit lifestyle? It's not just related to your physical well-being. It also means a healthier mind, confidence, improved health, stamina, and fitness. Talking with Tremaine brings it all to you. Host Tremaine Ellis, along with her husband and co-host David Ellis, will offer support, advice, guidance, and motivation to keep you in your best shape, both physically and mentally. Talking with Tremaine can be heard live every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Are you ready to live to 100? 
Join Dr. Joe Casciani and his program that shows us that age is just a number. You can age with fresh and inspiring perspectives, whether it's staying physically fit or keeping mentally fit. With great stories, plenty of advice about successful aging, and brighter outlooks, you just might join those who are living to 100. The Living to 100 Club is broadcast live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Welcome back. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And today is, um, I'm just really enjoying this conversation. My guest today is Jolene Hill, and she is from Brisbane, Australia. She has been, uh, she created some cards to allow um, elder people and all kinds of different people, really. It could be utilized, I'm sure, for people who are from different religions, from different backgrounds, from, you know, just meeting each other, even children coming into school and maybe having to go from a grade school to um, a junior high or junior high to high school or something along that line could be helpful to get people kind of knowing each other and enjoying one another. So um, we are going to move ahead now and talk about the second group of cards that um, Jolene has had um is is um, manufacturers using and selling, and these are more specific to end of life. So, Jolene, could you talk about what are these cards like? How are they different from the other cards? Well, the 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 other cards we called your life story, and it's all about reflecting on your life and talking about those important stories from your life. These cards we call your life wishes because they're looking towards your future. And this is the conversation that we should all have with our family, but we, we procrastinate. Um, it's not an easy conversation to have. Uh, you know, it, it's really about having a conversation about what we want in our future in terms of um, if our health starts to decline or we have an accident, what sort of health care we would like or we might not like. And it's particularly applicable um, if we're nearing the end of our life. And, you know, the baby boomers have had a lot of influence on this because, uh, you know, the baby boomers always want to do things differently. Um, and, um, you know, they many people feel that, you know, seeing their friends die, that they've seen their friends being disempowered, really, and very confused by the whole health care that they're presented with. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, particularly in Australia, there is a big push on for people to have these conversations with their family and be very clear about they, what they would want towards the end of their life. So the questions on the cards um, very much cover right from the beginning. It, it, it covers uh, talking to your family about how you've put your affairs in order. 
um, remembering I was a funeral director and, and I heard more than once or twice families tell me, look, we know that Dad made a will, but we can't find it. We don't know where he put it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's very important that family know how, how you've put your affairs in order and where your documentation is. Then moving yes. on, it's also important to tell them that if, if you should lose your independence, what you want them to help you to do, do you want them to help you get care at home? Do you want them to help you move into a, a facility where you're cared for? People say to me, I will discuss this with my family at the time, but the, the thing is, <laughs> at the time, you might not be in the right state of mind to make these important decisions. Right. It's really better to talk to your family ahead of time while you're clear-minded and in good health. Mm-hmm. I could um, almost see where doing the storytelling would lead right into being able to talk more comfortably about these other um, matters. Absolutely. It's, we've been, look, we, we have a lot of feedback and we keep in touch with, with uh, people that are using the cards in their facilities. They tell us it's a perfect segue when people have got into the flow of talking about their life story, it's a natural segue for them to start to talk about what they want in their future. So mm-hmm. the cards follow on beautifully. Um, and, and the storytelling from their life makes it easier for them to open up about what they want in their future. Mm-hmm. The cards yeah. also ask a lot of questions about end-of-life care because, um, and that's, you know, I'm sure your nurses know there can be a lot of confusion and, and um, you know, family relationships at a, at a very stressful time when somebody is nearing the end of life. Um, if, if that person hasn't spoken to their family about the health care they want or the interventions they don't want, it, it's, it makes it difficult for the family. They can end up, um, you know, becoming arguing over this and that's the last thing they need at such a distressing time when somebody's nearing the end of their life. So um, I say it's a gift. You give your family the gift of telling them ahead of time mm-hmm. and there can be none of that guilt feeling um, with families deciding to withdraw uh, uh, you know, health intervention towards the end of a person's life. As a nurse, it's been my experience that many times there's one or two, say, children of the of their parents that are doing the, most of the caregiving. And so they're with that parent day after day and up and down and all of the different things that mom or dad is saying that the other children don't hear and it never gets relayed back to them. Yes. And so it... Yes. So it seems like that is where a lot of the misunderstanding comes in. I've even found when my father was dying, uh, one of my brothers, who is also a very, very quiet uh, man, um, he would be right there with us as we were talking about a lot of these different things. And my sister-in-law would call us every day because she worked in a uh, extended care and, and um, senior care organization. So she knew all the ins and outs and was able to help us make decisions ahead of time. But when it co- finally came down to the, uh, the decision of whether my dad would stay in what we call a nursing home or whether he would come home, um, both brothers, were furious with my mother and I for not um, including them or that they didn't know anything of what was going on. And I just was amazed that someone could sit right there while the discussions were going on and not hear any of it. 
isn't that interesting? Um, it it just uh, exemplifies that when we have these discussions, and I, I we always say, you know, it's one thing to have this discussion about your future and and in terms of healthcare, but it needs to be written down um, rather than exactly what you're saying, rather than just being, um, you know, a verbal conversation, it needs to be in writing so that mm-hmm. everybody in the family can see that this is exactly what this person wanted. Mm-hmm. And even um, if it's recorded, they can hear their loved absolutely. one saying, I know absolutely. maybe John isn't going to like this, but this is what I truly want. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes people say to me, well, uh, what if my preferences change over time? Mm -hmm. Um, That's absolutely fine. Um, You know, you've always got the option of saying to your family, look, I I need to speak to you again because I've changed my mind about this. Um, But it's so important. The important thing is to start this conversation. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. the important thing is to get this conversation going because often uh, children need permission to have this conversation with their parents or grandparents or aunts and uncles. They find it difficult to bring it up with them. You know, they don't quite know Mm -hmm. how to approach it. Like, you know, what do I say? I I feel bad about asking them to talk about this. So Mm -hmm. um, it's all about getting the initial conversation going because once that ice is broken, it becomes easier. Right. Um, And... So, you know, I think there's a number of things that need to happen. I think we need more public discussion about um, the limits of health care as death approaches and what what we want for the end of life. Mm -hmm. I think, personally, we all need to plan better to ensure that our preferences are met Mm -hmm. at the end of our life. Um, And certainly, you know, there's, there's... there's a, a, a big percentage of people who express that, if possible, they would like to die at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that is something that really needs to be discussed a lot in a family for that to take place. So mm-hmm. um, we, we address that with our conversation starter cards. We address all types of care and where people... Uh, you know, where they would like to to die and who they would like to be with them if possible at the time. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because um, I think that we've, I don't know about other countries, but America has certainly become a very sterilized kind of country when it comes to death. Death happens away, you know, in war or somewhere else. And when anybody is sick, they go to the hospital and people, it's like a mystery place for most people, unless you work in a hospital, it just seems like this mysterious place where you go and you don't really understand what are the rules or how do things work there. And um, so there's an element of fear, but also um, you don't see it's like used to be that uh, um, elder people lived with you in their older part of their life and they died in the home and everybody who was in the home had that experience of well this is what it's like when somebody is moving toward death and so the fear level or the um, not knowing or not understanding and not knowing what to ask about it uh, creates so much um aversion to it I don't want to talk about it I don't want to think about it I don't that might make it actually happen and that that's exactly right and and uh, from my research 
that partly came about because, uh, you know, I think it was after the First World War, we had funeral directors, uh, mm-hmm. funeral homes came on the scene. And over the years, they've kind of told us that, um, you know, you, you can't, this is, this is too terrible, you can't deal with this, we will take the deceased away so that you don't mm-hmm. have to see or deal with it. Mm-hmm. And so over, the, over those years, we, we've all, it's now become a, a taboo topic um, that people find it very and it, it, difficult to talk about, as you said, but also that there's a certain amount of fear there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and, and that is something that is, we're going to have to overcome as a society again, um, that it is all right to talk about uh, our death. It's part of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a funeral director, I used to be asked all the time, can you advise us whether it's okay to let children come to the funeral? Exactly. And I have to say, absolutely. You know, so long as they're, you know, going to be quiet at the appropriate time, it's part of life. We shouldn't be hiding this from them. Um, <laughs> I know my grandmother grew up, she was one of 13, in, and she had seven children. And in her lifetime, obviously her parents, she lost her parents, she lost 11 of her siblings <sighs> and five of her children. Wow. That's a lot of death for one person. But my grandmother accepted it. I, I think medical science also adds to this because we, we believe that medicine can mm-hmm. fix everything now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're really, you know, we're not there yet. Uh, so people like to think they, uh, they don't, they're not as accepting of death as being part of life. They think that we can keep on using medicine to extend life, you know, mm-hmm. indefinitely, and I just won't think about dying. <laughs> And that's actually goes both ways, where the person who is dying almost feels uh, pressured to keep trying, you know, be strong, just keep fighting. And many times, uh, you know, the cost of that medicine, even if there is a magic medicine, we're finding that as the pharma companies have been trying to make more and more money on them, that those prices are going up to, you know, just... It, inordinate amounts of money that people don't realize when they're saying yes give me that antibiotic or yes give me that whatever the next miracle drug is and then after the person dies you find out that you're bankrupt oh yes tragic isn't it yes Mm um and that conversation doesn't happen and that's you know i i think that nurses can certainly play a pivotal role um, in encouraging patients, if they haven't already done so, the patients, to have a conversation with their family about their end-of-life wishes. You know, a patient might, if a nurse is discussing that, they might feel free to, to ask uh, specific questions about healthcare procedures before they embark on that decision-making right. process and talk about it with their family. So, look, I think nurses are in a, a wonderful, you know, role uh, to encourage patients to have that conversation. Um, they might be able to overcome some of the fear that the patients have. Look, in my experience, right. nurses are much, much better <laughs> at, um, at calming people down in medical <laughs> situations than doctors are. Oh. Um, and I, 
<laughs> it's it's interesting you say that because I just had read a, a a post on LinkedIn where a doctor had been talking about all of this respect for nurses and the hard work that nurses do. And then at the very end of it, he said, in actual fact, I was interested in becoming a nurse, but I became a doctor because I was uh, too cowardly to be at that bedside every minute for such a long period of time and deal with you know, all of the uncertainties and unpredictability of what happens there. He could come in, order a medication, and walk out. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, all due respect to all doctors, they do a wonderful job. But mm-hmm. um, apart from my husband, where we spent 17 months uh, in <sighs> and out of hospital when he uh, was suffering from cancer before he passed away, and we have five sons, so we've uh, adventurous sons. So we have had a lot of hospital um, stays, visits, and uh, uh, you know, often the doctor would leave, and in my head I'd go, "I'll oh, just wait for the nurses to get here because they will help us and explain all of this and mm-hmm. and make it seem palatable <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that we can we can get our heads around what's happening here." So. Um, yes, I think they're very, very, very important people in the medical world. <laughs> yeah, and we've been talking about older people, but I think it's also important to look at the other side of it. Even like myself, I, I, I still have my mother as ahead of me, and it's like that front line of of um, elders. I don't consider myself as being um, you know, near death. And so to even be thinking about, and and as a nurse, of course, I I have had to think these things through, but I haven't really uh, expressed them to anyone else other than one person. So again, and then there's the next generation younger, where we have so many people that have diabetes that are going to be having all kinds of health issues because of that, and because particularly in the United States, we have horrible diets and very little exercise for a lot of us. And so some of those young people are going to experience death or be having health issues much younger than maybe others had. And that those conversations need to be had with them also. Absolutely. And we we actually addressed that on our website saying that we should all have these conversations, uh, particularly at you know, people getting married. They have a new partner. They need to have this conversation with their their new partner. People uh, traveling overseas, for instance, you, you need to have this conversation about... And we included that in these cards. We've covered a lot of subjects with the, the Your Life Wishes cards, but one of them is, is if if you die overseas, have you thought to tell your family what you would like to happen if, if you die away from home mm-hmm. um, because, you know, that's that's quite a lot of uh, planning and organisation that's required if you pass away somewhere other than in your hometown. Um, we had the situation, my sister died suddenly while she was travelling in Japan. Um, her children, uh, I helped and, look, I said, look, I, you know, I know that my sister would... They were quoted, or, or in your money, around about $30,000 to bring her back um, to Australia. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, I know my sister would, would not want you to do that. I know that she would prefer to be cremated because she, she had told them there and her ashes brought back. But 
she had never discussed it with them and they they were very anxious and, and unsure what to do. Um, so that's, the, you know, that's just one of the things we need to talk about to our families. Exactly. Um, have you thought about uh, coming up with more cards? Like um, you mentioned people getting married. How about all the discussions that should happen before you actually walk down the aisle? Um, I was amazed as an OB nurse how many people had not even discussed children. Have them, not have them, breastfeeding, you know, bottle feeding, all kinds of things that never occurred to them. That wasn't in their present thinking. How many children? Um, you know, I would have people, uh, parents come in in labor, and they still hadn't discussed some of these things. Uh, I'd had patients where the father would be saying, oh, my wife will be staying home with the children. And she's going, what? <laughs> so... Oh, uh, that's maybe your next project. I I, I think so, and it, it's uh, interesting that you mentioned it because uh, we also have marriage celebrants who have bought the the Your Life Story cards from us, and they use those um, when they're before the wedding's coming up when they're sitting with the couple chatting. Um, they use those to get a conversation going and talking about their life and what they've done, so they get to know them better. But as you said, perhaps they should be using uh, something a little bit more pointed. <laughs> right, <laughs> more specific. What, they, what they're expecting from the yeah. marriage. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, so uh, we've talked about the website, and are both of these sets of cards on on the same website? They are. The, the website is Your Life Talks, and both sets of cards are on the website. Uh, the other project that we have on the go as well is we've actually designed a training guide and PowerPoint presentation and we're now training um, staff that are in uh, aged care facilities with how to set up a biography program over a 12-week period mm -hmm. uh, so that they have a bit of guidance about how to use the cards and booklets and how to go about setting it up in an organised fashion um, and some suggestions so that's also available on the website as well the cards are also translated <laughs> into languages they're currently on the website in uh, Vietnamese Chinese uh, Polish and in the next uh, month we'll have um, uh, Spanish and uh, uh, Italian we've got a number of languages coming because we've had so many requests for the cards in mm -hmm. uh, other languages Mm -hmm. So that's uh, an ongoing project as well. I was thinking, um, you mentioned people going to schools and going to elder homes and things like that. Is there a way for them to learn how to do that? Uh, we we uh, uh, usually, we organize that through the school's uh, Parents and Citizens uh, Association, is that we call them here, so... Uh, the, they're attached to the school and they normally organise oh. mm -hmm. uh, the morning for us and and invite the seniors in. Um, our speakers go out. Excuse mm -hmm. me. <coughs> our speakers go out as a facilitator and just help the morning along. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so many interesting aspects. I could see even retired nurses being interested in, in doing this uh, in lots of different ways. Even going into perhaps an office and learning to be, learning to be able to talk to one another 
um, and understand each other maybe on a deeper level than what most coworkers get to. So I could see lots of benefits for this. Um, is there something specific that you really particularly want nurses to know about this topic before we close? Go ahead, Jolene, and um, share with us what your thoughts are. Uh, well, I, I'd like to just pass on that, you know, as a community, we struggle to talk about death, and we, we use words like passed on and resting in peace. We don't use direct speech. In my experience, nurses are very good at using in a lovely empathetic way, but they use direct speech. So I think they're in the perfect position to encourage people to have these conversations. Um, and, and I'd just like them to know that even if they just used one of our cards when they were dealing with a patient to say, oh, look, we have these cards, here's a question, I thought we might be able to chat about it while I'm in the room today. It doesn't... I, I know there's time restrictions um, for nurses, Mm-hmm. But even just the one question can get a conversation going. Yeah. And as you mentioned earlier, often that will bring up uh, a common ground that you have with the patient, and that's wonderful for, for ongoing care for the patient. So basically, Again, like we've to come to the point where we are at the end of our show again, and it's it just amazes me how this keeps happening. But this has been such an interesting conversation, Jolene, and I thank you so much for sharing all that you have. Um, our conversation today was talking death and life with parents and patients. And Jolene Hill is from Brisbane, Australia, and has been talking about uh, some cards that she has come up with. And um, could you mention your website one more time? Oh, of course. I love to do that, Leanne. It's yourlifetalks.com. Okay, and I hope that many people that are listening will check this out and share it with other people who have not heard the show today. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.